Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Keith Johnston. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Research Director Chris Gardner and Principal Analyst Chris Gilchrist to discuss 2023 planning for technology leaders. Welcome both. Hi, great to be here. That's great to be here as well. Guys, it is planning season. Let's start off by just looking at the fact that there is economic turbulence, there's geopolitics, um, certainly uh, supply chain, but cross-border supply chain when it comes to technology that's you know affecting how we look at where we're going to be spending our budgets. But the one thing that we know based on our own forecast is technology is not going to be where people are going to be cutting their budgets. It's actually going to go up at a minimum 5% around the world in 2022 and then on to 2023. But just to get us kicked off, um, can we just like hone in? It's like, well, but what's really different about this particular planning cycle versus those in years past? Yeah, I mean, the mixed messaging has just been intense, right? Uh, the signals are just making it incredibly difficult for tech execs to really predict what the conditions are gonna be tomorrow let alone in uh, 2023. I mean, the sheer volume of noise in the market right now about what's to come is really generating a level of uh, uncertainty uh, that has really not been experienced in recent memory. I mean, if you look at some of the indicators, it shows that we're technically in a recession, but yet the labor market continues to show great strength. Some are calling for a shallow but long recession, while others are calling for a deep, shorter recession. I mean, the burden placed on tech orgs today uh, is unique. And because of that, the planning cycle going into next year is the same. Um, and really, it depends entirely on how the larger organization uh, is interpreting the market and economic predictions. And so we really see the planning guide and the research that we've done as a means to navigate towards th those right signals amongst all that noise. Yeah, what I would add to that is, you know, from a technology architecture and delivery perspective, um, architects right now are looking at their whole portfolios of applications and systems and making making calls and saying, do I want to rationalize, do I want to modernize or both right now? And it's been difficult to make that call given all these mixed messages and mixed um input coming in from the economy. But generally speaking, you want to do some basic rationalization in your portfolio and then do a lot of modernization, a lot of push towards cloud native, a lot of push towards the edge and other things that um, you know we will be talking about. You guys went through this process and you often refer to the, this idea of the pandemic swing is that we dramatically moved one way to you know just kind of button down the hatches or actually, in some cases, people were just seriously innovating, um, just spending to get through the pandemic. But then coming out of it, it's gone a little bit more pragmatic. But when you talk about modernization, it's like um, we're going pragmatic, but we're still investing in, you know, those modern tools that, that, that we really swung to in the pandemic. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's been a lot of push towards cloud native computing. Uh, it's not something new. It's something that's been around for some time, but everybody's push in the, that direction or um, movement in that direction has 
changed pretty dramatically over the last year or so to go from being a push for pandemic reasons to a push for creating a modern digital workforce. And moving that in that direction ends up changing a lot of what the plans were around these areas. Instead of, um, you know, maintaining monolithic systems on premises and data centers and things of that nature, people are pushing much harder towards getting into the cloud and, and enabling a digital workforce. So it's been much different than it was um, previously. Yeah, and uh, as it was pointed out earlier, uh, tech budgets are expected to increase or at least remain flat compared to last year. And you can really point to the sustained acceleration through the pandemic as a reason as to why this trend is continuing. The cost benefit really to slow down modernization efforts uh, simply isn't there. Companies have accelerated their move to digital. They're continuing to uh, align their technology architectures to close that quote unquote digital divide. And uh, it just, for most, doesn't seem prudent to lose that momentum. Uh, and, you know, we really see that this is not the time to pull or hold back on tech spending. The expectations from the business are higher than ever. And uh, the time is now to oblige. So not the time to kind of batten down the hatches to hold out until, you know, better economic times then. It's, it's, it's not that time just yet. And hopefully never. <laughs> um, but we're we're in a situation now where it is important to be pragmatic about what you are modernizing and rationalizing, without necessarily bringing the 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 all the projects down that you were going to be working on them in the year ahead. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about that because I think you guys have some really practical advice on how you need to look at the scope of rationalization, and. I want to put that in the context of the fact that you're not saying just spend on everything, you know, modern all at once. Is it? There's a really practical lens to look at your budgets so that you can do all the things. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, th thematically, we really point to three things that uh, tech execs need to manage to and invest to in in 2023. Uh, the first would simply be to realize value before reducing cost. That's focusing on customer value to deliver outcomes. And this means you should focus on rationalizing investment against the growth agenda uh, of the company. Uh, second, we look to reduce costs where you can, where you're not moving that customer experience and customer obsession forward. As Chris Gardner mentioned, upgrade, refresh, consolidate applications and, and uh, consolidate hardware and software. Uh, and that's really to deliver capabilities to where the enterprise's value streams need it the most. And what that means is to defend spend that increases the productivity of the value you're delivering to the customer. That way, the top and the bottom lines can both gain. And then uh, to us, the third is to reorient innovation to be pragmatic for the short and medium term. I know we've said pragmatic a few times now. Uh, that's really about using emerging tech and emerging capabilities to deliver on all these promises to realize value and moving the customer forward. And what that really means is experiment where IT outcomes can actually be felt the quickest by the business. Forego some of the, uh, the long-term venturing that most people like to do like innovation theater and all of that. 
to free up capacity to make some impact now rather than those moonshots or those big bets. Focus on scaling those bets down to something where the business can feel it today. I like that. Like Chris Gardner, can you, you talk about rationalization a lot. Like when you think about connecting value to that rationalization value to, you know, delivering value for the customer or getting value out of innovation or modernization, how do we define value in this particular case? How do you, how do you put value into the planning process? So you are investing in the right things. So you want to focus on things that are going to be, um, you know, technologically modern, but also delivering value today. So uh, there's a lot of experimentation going on around the cloud, but also the edge, right? And we, we do suggest that people experiment at the edge. There's lots of good work to be done in terms of edge compute, edge analysis, edge intelligence. Um, but it has to deliver value today. If you're a retail organization and you have add edge compute to your, um, your store experience, that's adding value. Uh, you don't want to experiment necessarily with going down the road of doing edge computing just for the sake of doing edge computing. You want to make sure that it's actually relevant to your vertical and relevant to the use cases that you're focused on. It makes sense. Um, I guess I want to go, I want to go, I don't know if I'm going broader or I want to get deeper into that is that I'm just thinking about all the categories of technology that you both looked at. Um, is there a class of technologies? You know, how do you break down these budgets so that you, 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 you don't get too overwhelmed with making some of these big decisions? Yeah, so we focused on um, a number of areas to increase or spend or, or defend the spend, and then a number of areas to decrease or avoid stale investments. And um, you'll find that the areas that we suggested increasing spend on were areas that um, were either consolidating different resources down into individual resources like holistic integrated software delivery platforms, or they were in the process of getting more um, value out of your existing spend. So technologies that optimize cloud costs, for example, is another good example. Um, anytime we found that you could align, again, use cases and verticality to the spend, you ended up with a better result. So, um, you know, as an example, for using vertically aligned edge or IoT, Internet of Things, um, smart buildings made a lot of sense in certain situations. So those are areas that we're suggesting people increase or defend spend on. Decreasing spend, um, there's definitely been a lot of focus on operational technologies that are declining as it stands right now, um, unintelligent operations technologies, uh, monitoring that just tells you that something went wrong without actually helping you figure that out through AI is a, is a good example of that. Um, another example is um, ITSM products, classic um, IT service management products that are pure platforms tend to not be something that is going to give customers a lot of value. We're moving more towards enterprise service management, enterprise level um, services. So those things, um, monolithic centralized solutions is another one where we're suggesting that people kind of back away from those, um, particularly things that are leveraging thing, leveraging older technologies. Um, we're not saying people get rid of their mainframes, but seriously take a look at what you have on the mainframe and on the virtual machines and make a call as to, you know, do you want to stick with that? And lastly, um, 
there's some experimentation that we're actually saying just be careful of. Um, one is private 5G networks. There's been a lot of folks that um, want to adapt 5G to their own workforce and their own given environment, um, spe specifically manufacturing utilities and utilities. And in those situations, um, we're actually not seeing as a lot of standards come about for 5G. So we're suggesting people avoid that for the most part. So when we think about pragmatism, that doesn't mean that we're saying don't experiment. Maybe it's not the moonshot projects that, you know, were, were once, but where are we recommending to experiment maybe a little to test in 23 and perhaps beyond? Yeah, so I could take that. So there's definitely three main areas that we're suggesting. Um, cloud native, again, cloud is not new. It's something that you know has been around for a number of years, but a lot of people took their existing systems and just moved them into cloud. They lifted and shifted. Um, they didn't necessarily take advantage of all the cloud enabled technologies like serverless containers, uh, the various platforms as a service and services that are available in the cloud itself from various providers. And what we're suggesting is that they replace their monolithic systems and do experimentation to do so um, with these newer technologies with serverless and containers. Um, the second thing to experiment with is edge. So edge analytics in particular, um, bringing experimenting with edge and bringing it closer to the customer and delivering customer experiences. So as an example, um, providing edge compute in a store allows someone to help a customer find something on a shelf without necessarily engaging a, uh, an employee at the store, for example. Um, you know, taking advantage of a combination of mobile and edge technologies to enable those new experiences. Um, you know, in some situations going as far as to experiment with robotics, um, even that is shown that um, from an operational level, it does improve uh, your performance and, and deliver value to the customer. And last thing to experiment with is something we're calling Turing bots. So this is named in honor of Alan Turing. Um, it's code that writes code, or essentially it's AI that writes code. So artificial intelligence that's able to write programs itself. Um, we're finding that these are going from basic experimentation stage now to actually delivering some good code. I will say that the biggest challenge has been that um, there's been developers that'll look at it and say, I don't know if I'm ready to write code alongside artificial intelligence. And there's a certain trust element to this that has to be um, addressed first. But once they do start to adopt it, they realize that they're saving a lot of time and effort by having this code be written for them by the artificial intelligence itself. So uh, we're, we're suggesting that people experiment with all three of these, cloud native, edge analytics, and Turing bots. This idea of automation, uh, Chris and Chris, uh, I'd like to explore that a little bit more because there were, there's a lot of technologies or uh, business processes enabled by technologies that were looked at as a nice to have before we've gone through these last few years. And now going into 2023, uh, economic turbulence or not, there's a bunch of technologies that were on the fringe of investment in past planning cycles that should be at the forefront. What are a couple of those areas that they should definitely invest in 2023 that should not be looked at as a nice to have? Yeah. Um, for one, uh, artificial intelligence, which, uh, you know, you could assume is RPA, machine learning, so forth and so on. But 
you know, what was uh, nice to have was really there to focus on more of the operational efficiency gains that can come from it. Well, as it's moved from just an operational capability to more of a maturing market capability, it is now the time to start utilizing it to enhance that customer experience and strengthen the quality of those touch points in the market rather than simply just trying to take advantage of the capability internally. It's now almost a must-have in terms of moving it forward as a way to distinguish a better experience for your customer and out in the market. I like that. There seems to be a theme here is that there's been a giant boost in uh, in the maturity curve, if you will, of the technology we should be always thinking of investing in now the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And and to, uh, to my colleague Chris's point, um, when you really start investing and modernizing and trying to be even more pragmatic around platforms and cloud-based and software as a service and all of these things, all that does is provide you the opportunity to scale these emerging capabilities and these maturing capabilities like AI or RPA or machine learning that much quicker. And those companies that have been able to move more towards the cloud, move more towards an asset light operating model their, or computing model, they're able and are positioned to really start using these capabilities to their advantage in the market rather than just their advantage in terms of managing cost. I'll just add to what Chris was going to say is that, uh, you know, from an intelligent automation standpoint, when you look at things like RPA, DPA, which is an evolution of BPM, um, we're seeing that more folks are doing end-to-end -end automation. It's not something where we're doing it in pockets anymore. And what we're running into is, um, in a good way, is folks taking advantage of what essentially we're calling strike teams, automation strike teams that go into an organization, um, find pockets of areas to automate and then connect them to one another so that the islands are no longer islands. And because you have things like digital process automation, you can now do that in an efficient way. It's not a matter of simply um, automating individual processes. It's a matter of um, automating end-to-end -end business workflows. So we're seeing a really great evolution here. Uh, driven partly by circumstances in terms of economics, but partly also just by the technology itself getting better at what it does and leveraging AI to also inform it and make better decisions as to when to automate and how to automate significant processes. So Chris Gardner, like we're talking about um, a vast amount of, of budget and there has to be some way to, you know, just to, you know, put, some guidelines through your research to where we should invest more, invest less. Yeah. Is there some numbers you can put behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of uh, breaking down infrastructure spend, in terms of what people should be spending their money on, um, our data shows that about 20% of spend is spent towards end user computing. So enabling that digital workforce. About 46% is spent towards hosting. So hosting systems in the cloud, um, hosting systems on premises, about 19, actually closer to 20% of spend is on network capabilities. So connecting these various pieces, about 3.5% is spent on service desk and about 10% is spent on telecommunications. What we're suggesting is, you know, increase spend in all these areas slightly, but don't go outside of the bounds too much of 
changing things. If your majority of your spend, which is what we have the data we have is is on hosting, maintain that going forward. There should be no reason to take it down and assign it to say network or say telecommunications. Yeah, and and, and to add in, in terms of our, our survey, uh, it shows that you know, 55% of those leading organizations are really focused on that upgrading and refreshing and consolidating the business apps, hardware, software, infrastructure. And that's really their critical priority. But when you really tap into that data and start looking at how it aligns with other data points in the survey, what it focuses on is as those things are happening, the refreshes, the updates, the consolidations around the infrastructures and the tech stack in general, it's all around aligning IT's performance back to investment initiatives that support strategic business objectives rather than simply just cost targets that IT orgs routinely run against. And if you unpack that even, it gets into something that's even more interesting, which is about 50% are now focused on how do I enhance the performance of my operating model and how do I do that by aligning my investments to capabilities that support revenue generation rather than just efficiency of operations. And so just kind of at a, a one step up in altitude from, from what Chris said, all of this is kind of aligning really around how do I make sure that that alignment stays with the agenda of the business and that agenda is very clear. It is about making sure the customer is always at the forefront of decisions and that those IT investments are there to support that delivery. So I'm, I'm hearing a few themes throughout this episode, right? Pragmatism, focus, yes, double down on your investments, but given the context of 2023 planning, I'm sure there are a few places or things that could trip up executives along the way. So leave us with a little bit of advice of things to avoid or warn warnings, I guess, to today's tech leader. Yeah, uh, plain and simple. There's no reason to overcorrect on either side of all this uncertainty we're all experiencing. Conditions could be a lot worse. They could be a lot better. No one really knows. The title of the planning guide for tech execs is remain steadfast with tech decisions to deliver business value. And that's simply because the entire North Star here that we've been researching and writing to throughout this whole process is to balance that increase and defend investment around driving long-term value. And that's not by short-term cost cuts. And if you, if you really believe into that, then it really gets into you're only really cutting costs where you're not moving value in the business forward. And if you're able to get there, then it finally gets to you're able to experiment with value as your compass rather than shock and awe as your purpose or your meaning to do so. And using that as kind of the recipe for how you orient your budget, how you approach in terms of a mental model of this planning cycle, you'll be able to really balance and not have to over or under correct on either side of what you're hearing one day contradicting what you hear the next day. 
Yeah, what I would add to that, Chris, is, you know, don't turtle up at this point. <laughs> don't go, don't fall back into your shell and, and sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to try to ride out this storm that we're not even entirely sure what the storm's makeup is at this stage. Um, there's lots of room to still do experimentation here and experiment on, you know, the practical Again, we can't say pragmatic a bunch of t times, but the practical things that you know are going to have deliver value soon. Um, again, things like cloud native computing, edge analytics, even Turing bots, they're brand new, but they're just at their opening stages, but they're going to be a force multiplier down the road for developers. So um, don't just necessarily fall back into your shell and say, I'm not going to experiment with new technologies. I'm going to just stay the course. Staying the course is probably the last thing you want to do right now. Yeah, I mean, just real quick to uh, <laughs> to double down on the turtling thing. Uh, our team, as we were planning and doing this research for these planning guides, uh, we had a concept in there um, uh, titled "Hunker Down." And as we were going through the data, and as we were seeing the trends emerge from all of this research and data that we uh, 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 that we curated for this. We realize that that's just not a realistic step. There are practical ways to continue to move forward. It's just unique relative to the environment we're in today. That's great advice, Mr. Gilchrist, Mr. Gardner. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.